Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Golden State Warriors take it wire to wire to win 4-1 against the Dallas Mavericks. A 14-0 Mavs run late in the third made things slightly interesting, but they never got it lower than nine in the end. And thus concludes a series that Golden State really controlled quite well in a way that I didn't think they would be able to do. But it was clear that the Mavs largely had no answers for Golden State. We thought maybe they'd found something with this switching. That didn't turn out to be the case at all. They executed that very poorly and couldn't keep guys in front of them as was the case all series and so golden state is now back in the nba finals you and i were not together for this one you were in the arena i was doing playback from home but what were your takeaways being there well first off this is the warriors sixth nba finals appearance in the last eight years which is truly incredible and i I will admit pretty openly that when Kevin Durant left the Warriors, I, you know, like I've been closest geographically while covering the entire league to the Warriors since 2009 and just thought, OK, that phase of that phase of my at least for the time being that phase of my like being able to go to finals games and all that is over. And the the not necessarily be solely because of Durant leaving, but Clay Thompson's first injury, much less the second injury, which happened a year later. And whether we're talking about those players all getting back to not peak of their powers, but very, very high levels overall. And the support from some of the young guys, Kevon Looney had a big series and also develop cultivating minimum salary guys. We'll talk about Bielitsa's impact on this one, Otto Porter overall in the season. And it is a it is an achievement. And it is fair to say that the Warriors record net rating, all that fun stuff the last two years is not reflective of their overall team quality. And there are obvious reasons for that. But it is worth taking a beat to appreciate that because it doesn't happen every time a team is around the mountaintop for such a long time and then comes off. They don't usually make their way back. Certainly not. And Clay Thompson now is six for his last six in terms of seasons that he's been healthy at the end going to the NBA finals. And I tweeted as they were getting blown out in game four of the 2019 finals without KD to go down 3-1 dynasty over. Um, The assumption at that point was that Kevin Durant was going to leave and for a while it looked like that was quite prescient my other thought was even if kd does leave they have no way to improve this team they had just drafted jacob evans who couldn't even play for them they're playing alfonso mckinney and quinn cook andre guadala would soon leave the team and you felt like yeah they might have steph clay and draymond and then of course clay got injured but how are they going to build up around these guys at this point even if kd leaves they'll be limited to the tax fair mid-level for years to come instead they made a move that you and i really pan which was getting d'angelo russell they gave up a first round pick to move andre guadala to even be able to get below 
below the apron to receive Russell in a sign and trade for KD. They gave up another first for that, although it turned into a second when they had that terrible 1920 season. But that salary slot ended up allowing them to trade for Andrew Wiggins. Another trade that I could see the point of potentially, but I felt like in the service of trading for a star, Russell would be more useful than Andrew Wiggins. And as it turned out, they never traded for a star. You thought getting that fourth star in. Well, it, and even yeah. when they got other assets, like they got, right. they added more to the war chest than we expected and still never did. Right. Uh, that's uh, exactly correct. You know, they had the number two overall pick that became James Wiseman. And that's the craziest thing is that they totally blew that pick and they're still back here and they're still back here because they traded for Andrew Wiggins who was invaluable in this series guarding Luka Doncic and also still being able to make him work on the other end in a way that defensive specialists that he could hide out on in previous series were not able to do and then Jordan Poole who they drafted with that pick in 2019 after they had made the NBA finals looked like maybe the worst player in the league during his rookie year came back and and was very good by the end of last year and developed into a scintillating score at times by the end of this season and to have that third guy who could be a you can't leave him type of guy in the perimeter but also be able to attack the basket and pass and you know his defense still could use some help but nonetheless he's been a huge player for them as well so I really just give a ton of credit and then you mentioned some of the smaller fines that they had as well draft picks that they had in the organization and then of course Clay Thompson for getting back from his injuries Draymond has maintained more of his value over the three seasons after 2019 than I would have expected and so is Steph and so now they're back in the NBA finals as a result I also thought that game five was a an encapsulation of that journey I mean Clay Thompson had some some huge stretches offensively ended up being the the game's leading scorer even over Luka with his big second half 32 points 12 of 29 so sorry 12 of 25 from the field 8 of 16 from three and Clay Thompson you know that the 25 field goals is also shooting possessions because he doesn't get to the free throw line and he definitely had some plenty of defensive mistakes during this game like he's it was a, a i would say a rough defensive series for clay and he didn't ha he wasn't being asked to do as much which may have been part of the problem yeah. I, I will say that his on ball defense ended up being pretty good like they didn't yeah, really he, try he figured out luca a lot better a yeah. lot better towards the end of the series and it was more just and some of it was scheme the warriors were doing a lot of kind of helping middle and then giving up the pass that luca loves to throw to the opposite corner and so how much of that is on kerr and mike brown and the coaching staff and how much of it is on clay thompson and various other guys who are just running away from the weak side corner it's it's unclear at this moment in time but so clay had had stepped up kavon looney had so much better of a series than i anticipated i i thought that part of the reason why i picked the dallas mavericks incorrectly in this series was that i thought kavon looney was not going to have a place to be and was that was going to put pressure on the rest of the rotation yeah. particularly and, with and as it turned out his place to be was the offensive glass right kavon looney overall in the series averaged 10.6 points and 10.6 rebounds but that included an 18 spot in game five and he w provided some huge offensive rebounds he also yet again did a very good job not only on Luka Doncic but there was one possession where I was super impressed with how he handled Jalen Brunson he kind of followed him around and ended up staying with Brunson on a drive and so Looney stepped up and played a huge role and I mean we could go through those but Looney deserves some separate attention I agree I mean his 
some of the offensive rebounds that he was getting his hands are just so sticky it's crazy how he just seems to come up with the ball he's not really like an unbelievable positional rebounder it's just if the ball is within his radius he just gets it it's incredible how he's able to even loose ball rebounds out by the free throw line he's able to grab away from guards who are usually quicker to those plays and looney even has improved it at age 26 his work with the warriors coaching staff this year to get better as a finisher i think has really paid off as well he's just more confident and the mavs didn't have an amazing shot blocking presence yeah what did you make of kerr going with bielitsa who he liked at the end of game four and he was actually a key figure in this one it made intuitive sense in a way that like i got wrong on kavan looney and so it kind of made sense for bielitsa which is that if a player's biggest weakness defensively is their lack of foot speed and they're pretty savvy luka is not the most damaging matchup and we saw bielitsa sometimes when he had to defend other guys in space and everything else he didn't do a great job but the other thing that bielitsa so but i thought he did he did pretty well on luka overall but the other thing that bielitsa fits in so seamlessly with the warriors is that he keeps the ball moving he's a credible enough shooter that generally teams are going to help completely off him but he's also an adept passer and so that i thought was a central part of why the warriors offense succeeded in the fourth quarter of game four and to an extent that carried over i thought that playing him alongside looney there were some minutes there he played with draymond a little bit and it worked i, I understood the theory of it especially with i, I mean it was this argument about like kaminga the, the i was listening to the the chat I, I can't remember which broadcast whether it was radio or something about like did kaminga earn minutes for game five based on how he played game four and i'm like no not particularly i did i thought he did fine but it wasn't i wasn't like a dominant kaminga performance and so when you're looking for where to start in dealing with Otto Porter's absence. That was a reasonable way to go. I thought he did better in those minutes the Porter replacement minutes then they even played him at the four right you mentioned replaced he played him next to Looney I mean he'd played some next to Draymond although I really kind of thought of him as more as the center there but next to Looney he definitely is the foreman exactly and so I I thought that Bielitsa did a he did a nice job functioning within the team concept defensively didn't get attacked too much and competed on the offensive glass got a couple rebounds kept the ball moving and I thought that Kerr kind of he leaned a little bit too heavily to me on Bielitsa partially because of Draymond Green's foul trouble late in the game and kind of I thought he should have gone back to Draymond earlier but the game wasn't close enough that I think Kerr was particularly freaked out we saw that also with he didn't bring Steph back immediately either and so Bielitsa can he can function within within that place and we've seen the Warriors over the years do well with big men who can make good decisions and David West I think is a good example David West and Bielitsa are not the same player at all but they do have that in common and I thought that it made the the offense flow better at times and the Warriors also are still kind of looking for answers in the minutes when Steph Curry's off the floor and one of the ways they did it earlier in the season as they were looking for answers was have more passers have more decision makers on the floor Iguodala function in that and Bielitsa is a worse defensive player than Iguodala by leaps and bounds but it makes some sense to kind of uh, use him in that role as well yeah and that really was the period when the game got broken open when Steph and Luca were out in the first half and that's when Clay Thompson really got going and I thought by the at that point the Mavs really were kind of sunk I mean they they started off putting two on the ball uh, on Steph and then they tried to do some switching once Kleba came in and that was working okay in the first quarter but then they it 
really fell apart once clay started getting open the warriors were just they had some time to really think about how the mavs were going to guard them they broke out all the old tricks like screening your own man when you know they're switching and getting out in transition as well in the trans did you happen to check the transition numbers for this game by the way because at one point i think this was late in the third the warriors didn't have very many transition i think they had like 75 possessions and they had a pretty low transition rate it was only like 12 13 percent they had a 250 offensive rating in transition <laughs> Yeah, they ended, up at, two, they ended up at 212, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, compared, and so that was, and it seemed like every single time Luka Doncic missed a shot in the paint, he was one of seven in the paint in the first half, they would come down, he would complain to the referees, and they would get a wide open three that culminated in Draymond's behind the back pass to Clay after Luka missed a scoop shot. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easier to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. And also, the Warriors' defense was very good in the first half, defending the rim without fouling. I do think the Mavs just missed some makeable shots around the, the, the rim. The refs sure. also weren't calling contact around the basket. It, I, I, I can't remember. I, I always think I always think of this being a Seth Partner thing, but I can't remember for sure. Like in the very beginning of the season, it was very weird that the officials were calling all sorts of contact on the perimeter, and then they weren't calling anything around the basket, kind of broadly as we watched the league. And it shifted a little bit in the third quarter, and then the parts of the fourth quarter. But generally, I thought that was the way this game was called. They, they were letting a lot go around the basket. But also Dallas, as you mentioned, was missing shots that you would expect them to normally make. And we can't do the exact like restricted area number 
numbers because of how the scoring, how the how the shot marking is at, at Chase Center. But Dallas overall in the game, 16 of 35 on shots in the paint. Yeah, and Dallas did keep it close some by hitting their threes. Dinwiddie was fantastic with five of seven. And they finished up 17 of 42, actually outshot the Warriors in the end. The Warriors kind of went cold from three in the second half other than Clay, uh, who for the whole game was eight of 16 with 32 points. I thought the key moment of the game, Mavs get it down to eight. Luka misses a free throw that could have cut it to seven. And then Jordan Poole blows into the lane, finishes a layup. Mavs don't score at the end of the quarter. And then the first two possessions, so it's 10 first two possessions of the fourth quarter clay thompson coming off the screens the mavs don't really know what they're doing they're gonna switch are they gonna double team him coming off those screens clay immediately gets off the ball and they got a couple of easy buckets going to the rim first uh, they moved the ball around and wiggins got a dunk along the baseline and then draymond got an and one and pushed it back to 14 it basically was never in doubt again by the way draymond green 17 points on nine shooting possessions <laughs> and nine assists only three turnovers made all four of his free throws yeah and, after and, that and, wrist injury too and didn't throw the and didn't throw the ball over the gym yeah yeah i mean that was the warriors only 10 turnovers again i mean and right and and that was like we didn't we kind of went in the direction of macro instead of micro at the beginning but i brought this up after game three if the warriors beat you in the possession game it is very hard to defeat them and in this one the turnover margin was pretty close it was seven to ten and they had the same number of live ball turnovers six respectively and then the warriors had that 14 to six advantage on the offensive glass if you want it with the percentage of misses golden state grabbed 35 percent of their offensive of their misses and dallas had 16 percent. so the overall yeah. kind of opportunity game if you want to do it this way the warriors had nine fewer free throws but they had six more shot attempts overall in the game and and i mean there it, it it's hard to come back from that against a team this talented and dallas outshot them from three in terms of makes and attempts and percentage and got up more free throws but it wasn't nearly enough now it looked like things could go awry for golden state and the stakes of the game increased even more when steph curry on a non-contact play trying to hedge on luka Doncic, sprained his right ankle it didn't look too bad it seemed clear he could stay in the game but also particularly in the first half he looked pretty tentative trying to drive the ball and was driving looking to pass a little bit more he got blocked from behind by Kleba in one place so he definitely was not quite 100% his two-point shooting which had been awesome in the series ended up only three out of ten a couple of those were attempts to draw the foul which uh, were not granted to his frustration but still he had he was able to get pretty good penetration against the switch because they're just pressing up on him so much he's able to just get the initial advantage on Kleba and then make a pass he did it this was maybe Steph's best passing series that we've seen he had nine assists uh, only two turners in this one where he had 11 assists in game three he won the first ever magic johnson award as mvp of the western conference finals that's an interesting question actually danny and i'd like to record it now while it's fresh in our mind who do you think played better in this series steph curry or luka Doncic? especially when you consider the the defensive part of it i, I think steph did and it's being he's a different kind of engine than luka but that especially and there were some earlier games in the series where him breaking the paint opened everything up for for the whole team it is 
And I mean, Luca in this one, he had a huge third quarter, as we'll get to, but he had a really rough first half. Um, not that that's yeah. representative of the series, but I, I, I thought Steph was better. I think that's true because Luca was a pretty big negative on defense, really, other than in game four. I thought he really struggled. And part of that's just because of how the team is built, where, it, but part of that's also the team has to be built that way because of him. And especially if you're going to switch or if you've got this great shooting on Golden State where the bigs have to be out on the floor floor luca as the four is the secondary rim protector and he had some early help at times in game four but overall was pretty poor on that and the not getting back on defense quite a bit and he wasn't targeted like directly as in game two of that sun series but by the end of this game again they left him in the whole second half which i thought was a mistake because he was going to run out of gas more on defense than on offense and they had success with the non-luca groups throughout the series other than in this game and in, in the start of the second and so they had to go to switch double and then the Warriors basically were able to score whenever they wanted to and he wasn't really that great on the defensive glass for a lot of the series either and just to compare his defense to Stephen Curry's defense where Stephen Curry I thought had a couple of really good defensive games like game one and had some pretty memorable defensive plays like the play I don't know if you you probably actually got a great look at this live in the fourth quarter right after he came back in where he runs a guy off the line on the left wing with four seconds left on the shot clock and then completed the possession by blocking dorian finney smith's three-pointer in the opposite corner less than four seconds later yeah that was really impressive and yeah Steph just sets the tone he doesn't get tired he doesn't complain too much or if he does he does it while he's getting back or while his teammates are getting the offensive rebound so yeah I would say particularly when you consider too the way that they operate is a little bit different although did Steph have more assists than Luka in this series I bet you he might have he did Curry averaged 7.4 per game and Luka Doncic averaged six per game and then you throw in the gravity the amount of double teams that he created the off-ball movement yeah I would say Steph Curry is better than Luka next year when you do our top 10 players in the nba we're gonna be another year in and luke will have gotten better and steph probably will have gotten worse but i thought just for this series i think steph curry was better than luca I mean, luca had two what i would say pretty bad games he was okay in the second half in this one and for a short time as he brought him back in that 14-0 run but he was a big reason why the mavs just couldn't get any stops in this series so well and, and something you know. we saw i thought it was a big stretch of the game when the warriors went to the three guard configuration with curry clay thompson and jordan Poole on the floor together luca like ja morant in the previous round had to defend somebody at, uh, at some stretches that was more aggressive that was more capable with the ball in their hands and he really really struggled in those moments and i thought those were those were some of the more challenging defensive possessions for luca and he's gonna have to get better because there are teams with multiple threats there isn't always a place to hide hide you know a a, a low usage perimeter player to to go for and and luca has the positional size he does have an incredible workload but he has the positional size to kind of follow the steph curry model and if you're not a sieve and you're you know like average or slightly above average for your position and for your size it makes a world of difference for your team defense yeah i think that's about all i've got in this game and oh i have a couple more things please spencer dinwiddie last minute champion like he he's he made four three-pointers in the final minute of the first and second quarters combined it was (laughs) it was incredible because like i mean you look at those the the 
those margins and it's like the Warriors outscored the Mavericks by five in the first quarter and they outscored them by 12 in the second, it could have been a lot worse. And Dinwiddie, he also had this stretch during, I believe that was the, was that the third or the, no, that was the early fourth where he got fouled on like three of four possessions, including twice on three pointers. One was a four point play. One was a three shot foul on Bielitsa. And I will, we'll, we'll talk about the Mavericks offseason very soon. Um, but where, you know, like how Jason Kidd and Harrison, the front office, want to manage this rotation, building it back from a version of scratch is going to be so important for the Mavericks. And especially when you consider the variable that is Jalen Brunson being a Frazier, Jalen Brunson, you know, the very good basketball player. But how do you want to square it? Do you do you think that there is better chemistry between Doncic and Dinwiddie, which is better offensively, which pairing is better defensively? How do you want to make it work? How do you want Lucas Rust to work? It's a lot to manage, but it's generally speaking, assuming Brunson resigns, it's a good problem to have. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Yeah, I think uh, this is a time to get into that Mavs offseason. And there is, of course, the issue of Brunson. They have their first-round pick, which is going to be 26 this year. They owe a future first-round pick to the Knicks, top 10 protected next year, then they have everything going forward. Their financial situation, assuming they bring back Moxie Kleber, which they'd be fools not to do with his $9 million non-guarantee. Trey Burke probably opts into his $3 million. Other than Brunson, essentially everybody else is under contract but before even talking about Brunson they are eight million dollars over the tack for next year all that said before and let's assume they bring back Brunson for now we'll talk in a second about what that'll cost what do these guys need to get better in an ideal world you'd love to see a more dynamic versatile wing but I also don't know how much they would actually use that versatility you know somebody who we saw a little bit more of that of Finney Smith and Bullock especially Finney Smith actually doing something with the ball in their hands you know like attacking closeout instead of just taking the open corner three they you know like i would i think they would be better off with a superior center if you if you want to have somebody who fulfills the dwight powell role who is better than dwight powell but that player is probably not in your best five anyway because I, I assume your best five is going to involve moxie kleba so maybe that's not a big priority for me dallas is in this weird place 
where the biggest ways they could upgrade are probably hard for them to do because it's a a larger reorganization. And I don't think they have the resources, especially because they don't really have good young players that they're willing to that they have to like trade in a deal. They don't have premium draft picks from themselves or from anyone else. So they don't they don't need a ton. You could do like you could do talent. And I had this uh, I had a really interesting conversation with Rob Mahoney for Real Jam Radio that we recorded on Thursday where we uh, like we were spitballing ideas of how to how to break feedback loops. And like one of the things I talked about in that was somebody who, you know, like running off of makes, which the Warriors did very well at times in this series. And I brought up this idea of how this different theory of the Mavericks and basically that you could play Luca with somebody who would push the pace and you just don't ask Luca to do it. And so the idea that you would have, whether it's a bigger guy who grabs and goes or it's a smaller player who does that, the problem is Dallas has lots of perimeter talent, especially now with the Dinwiddie trade. And that's just not really what any of those guys do. And I don't know that that is a sufficient priority or that you even have the option to theoretically swap Jalen Brunson or Spencer Dinwiddie for that conceptual player. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you need to have two ball handlers. I like the way this team is built offensively pretty darn well at, at this point in time. It might be nice to just get that one knockdown shooter who can like come off of screens, add that element. They kind of have that with Hardaway Jr. He had a disappointing year and then he broke his foot and uh, he could be primed maybe with his $19 million for next year. Declining contract though, Danny. Goes down to $16 million in his age 32 season. They're going to need that. We'll talk about that yeah yeah so you know that would be nice offensively but as you look at the teams that they're gonna have to play who are you gonna have to beat well the warriors they'll still be around to some degree right as we just think of what could have helped them more in this series i do think getting more transition would have been able to really help them they just needed probably some more just one more depth piece that was actually playable you know so they didn't have to go nil Aquina or josh green or playing powell more you know i don't think a traditional center would have helped at all in this series really so to me just another piece so that you didn't have to play finney smith and block 42 minutes a game would have been nice i don't think hardaway is that i think hardaway is too bad defensively to really survive well in a series against the warriors or god forbid the clippers and the nuggets will will, i mean that's probably dallas clippers nuggets warriors god sons grizz it's gonna be it's gonna be (laughs) gross Uh, now some of those teams are just gonna get injured and fall out of it but still that top six is gonna be pretty nasty you would think next well and i mean you could even think about they're a flawed team but if the lakers do well enough that they can actually get into the mix the mavs would have a lot of trouble containing them yeah that's probably right and finney smith block those guys are pretty good to guard guards which is what the teams that they played this year had but they're not as good to guard forwards if it's lebron or if it's there's a parallel here to an extent of what we saw with deandre ayton last year which is ayton did very well but had well-suited matchups for him last year and like and 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 with dfs and bullock they they got matchups that they can that they can do well in and the teams that and i mean they got all they could eat in some ways offensively in this series the Warriors were giving up a lot of a lot of open corner threes but 
as you mentioned, the Clippers in particular, it's like, oh, oh God, who's going to guard Kawhi? Who's going to guard Paul George? And they have all these other kind of ancillary options. And the I brought up before how Luca, when the other team had enough offensive weapons that he had to guard somebody, and to Andrew Wiggins' credit, I thought that he did a good job making Luca work as well. It became a real problem, and there there aren't that many good secondary ball handlers that aren't point guard sized. And I thought Brunson and Dinwiddie did a fine job defensively in the series, but Dallas is always going to have some points to attack. And then the other thing that freaked me out about Dallas's defense against really good teams over these last couple rounds is their lack of supplemental help rim protection. So the idea right. of like when Kleba was out on the floor and you got by him, and even sometimes when Kleba was standing right there, the Warriors were getting really good stuff. And the war- Golden State challenges defenses in a way that other teams do not, but other teams can challenge can challenge that in their own ways. And so who's going to stop Kawhi from getting to a spot? If you play a five-out team, can you prevent the penetration that sinks your defense and concedes good shots? And I don't trust I, I think Dallas, I, I believe they will have a good regular season defense again, but I believe that I will have concerns about them against the best of the best that aren't going away. Yeah, you make a good point there that maybe while Phoenix and Utah were elite regular season offenses, Dallas's personnel was really better situated to deal with those offenses. Well, and you could think about Gobert too, where Gobert is a really good basketball player, but he's not a post beast and he's not even the most efficient player when he gets an offensive rebound. So Dallas didn't have to, he didn't bend their defense in a way that other guys could, like Jokic. Yeah, or if they have to deal with Giannis coming out of the other conference, you know, they re- you make a good point that they really just don't quite have the overall team athleticism that they need. And so maybe upgrading at center would be an interesting idea as we get into some of the things that they could do. They've long been rumored potentially as a Rudy Gobert destination. Now, Utah is another team that will talk about soon i my thinking is what is the deal for rudy gobert that actually makes you better next year in your last ditch effort to keep donovan mitchell that maybe just holding on to gobert and hopefully just playing better is your best option and then hey you know what if mitchell wants out then you trade gobert at that point also maybe you go that route i'm sure they'll listen on gobert but if you're dallas all you can really offer you don't have any young prospects of note so you're basically offering hardaway jr and Bertans or and Powell some combination of those three guys who make a combined 46 million dollars and then do you just offer everything you can do you offer the holiday trade for Rudy Gobert he's still not quite on the Luca timeline right like between Luca and Brunson those guys are young but also worth noting Kleba he's going to be a little bit older at this point he's 30 and i think his defense has slipped a little bit even if his offense has gotten a little bit better and block is in that range finney smith is a little bit older also i think he's 29 yeah, so the next year next guys, year will yeah. be his 20 age 29 season thank you yeah and so, next year will be tim hardaway jr's age 30 season yeah i mean he's on his third contract already yeah um so before we, we we move all the way off of the transition point i just wanted to get this before i forgot it please um we got an answer to a question 
question we hadn't been thinking about a lot during this year, and I wanted to walk through it. So in 1920, Luka Doncic's second year, the Dallas Mavericks played in the half court 82.7% of the time mm-hmm. when Luka was on the floor. That was the 11th That was the 11th percentile, meaning like most frequent. And you, you yeah. ideally you want that to be less frequent because you're getting out in transition, which is more efficient. That went from the 11th percentile and 82.7% to 84.2% last year, third percentile in the NBA. And Dallas had, yet again, second year in a row, had one of the league's best half-court offenses in the entire, you know, like they were, they were ridiculous. That, that's, but we blamed that on the last coach, as Jason we did. likes to call him. The last coach. And then this year, 84.2% in the half-court went to 84.9%, second percentile. We are now at the point where we can have, and there's yet again, a pretty severe differential between when Luka is on the floor and when Luka's off, even though Dallas doesn't have amazing personnel to like run in the other times. We are now at a point where it should be our understanding that Luka Doncic teams are not going to run a lot in transition. And it's frustrating because Luka, when when they get in transition, it looks great. Like, And, and I understand that there are physical limitations to like, not everybody can has the cardio or has the, the bandwidth physically and everything else to push I, it. As- I mean, honestly, though, I think a lot of guys probably don't realize this. And Luka, when he can get any shot that he wants and they're still efficient in the half court, it's like, hey, why make the effort? I still think that just pushing the ball in transition and either getting a layup or an immediate shot out of that takes less effort than driving against a set defense and having to make those explosive movements. Maybe players would disagree with me on that. It's probably a question I should ask. I mean, when I played, I always felt that it's just to just run down the court is it's definitely more fun for the support back. players. Yeah. And but, and so yeah. and that ties in with the idea of could they get that from another person? And it's also yeah. another way that, you know, a parallel between Luca and James Harden is that like we reach the point and Harden is a better transition player than Luca is, is that partially because he yeah. does more hit head passes. I, I mean, the only guy I could think of that would fit into that, though, would be like Ben Sim. And that seems unlikely that he'll ever up on. Although that would be interesting. But I don't think that they the Nets would necessarily be interested in that. The Nets will be another interesting offseason. I'm I'm also not I'm also not sure that the Mavericks would be because Dallas is built around half court offense and Ben Simmons in their half court offense creates problems. Well, yeah, he he would just be the screen. Presumably. So let's I I think the avenues generally that they could go to. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be talked about as a possible Jeremy Grant destination. And they, in theory, have the ammo to trade for him if they wanted to give up a couple of first round picks or uh in terms of free agency we've been through it tj warren to me is the only real guy who's available that would be along the lines of what they need gary harris could be an interesting guy for them as well but he frankly would probably have to come off the bench Uh, maybe he could replace bullock uh, although harris isn't the shooter that bullock is you know daniel house pat conson we've talked about all these guys already they're just and 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 remember that if if the mavericks retain jalen brunson they would not be able to use the non-tax permit level because they could not do that and stay under the hard cap. That's a great point there as well, unless they were to make some other moves to sure. get get off of money. So let's talk about Brunson's market now. I mean, it seems like it's going to be in the 20 to $25 million a year range. And do I think he's quite as good as Fred Van Vliet? Probably not. Is he better than Malcolm Brogdon?
Dinwiddie-Robinson at this point. He's definitely, if you look at what his current teammate Spencer Dinwiddie got last offseason, for him to get $18 million a year, coming off an injury, I mean, I do think Dinwiddie may be his last healthy year at the Nets is slightly above where Brunson is now. But Brunson, to me, especially offensively, fits in great. And he's so effective in that five-out system, going against small guards, attacking mismatches. He's a pretty good pick-and-roll player as well. I think he needs to improve his outside shooting just as a spot-up guy but I think he's made strides there and he's going to continue to do so because he really is an incredible worker so do they go four or five years they can Mark Cuban said in an interview with Mark Stein on Valley Sports Southwest that they can pay Brunson more than anyone else if it really gets to that point then you wonder but they could go the five years they have full board rights they can pay whatever but it is worth noting if they do bring him back for let's say a starting salary of 22 million that puts you at $28 million into the tax with a $77 million tax payment. Woo! And and, yeah. and the Mavericks, they could reduce that through a couple of, you know, you could think of the smaller stuff. Marquise Chris has a fully guaranteed contract for next year. Maybe you could, and it's not subsidized because it's multi-year. So you could move off of that. Or there are a few things where like a small savings could save Mark Cuban yeah. a lot but of money. Work at $3.3 million. Exactly. Seems, uh, very likely to get moved. And maybe, maybe that's a, you trade him at the deadline once you paid most of his salary type of thing. They got Boban at $3.5 million, although he's a, a really good locker room guy. They may not want to move off they have a lot of fluff on this roster i mean maybe another way that they could reduce the tax bill is you throw in a couple of first round picks and you also move off of hardaway bertans or Paolo, some combination of those guys pick up a player that you really want to get and now bertans it doesn't exactly have the sexiest remaining contract either at 16 million a year and hardaway as well and bertans goes out another year after this one and then it's five million dollars guaranteed in 24 25 paul at least is expiring at 11 million next year and you know those are those are again 46 million dollars in guys who basically are giving you at most 20 minutes a game during the playoffs against a real team so maybe you can make the trade have those guys as matching salary take back less money for this year to reduce the tax bill but then you're asking teams to eat a lot of money going forward as well not to mention that you actually want to get a good player back and so i don't know if they have the ammo to do that maybe two first round picks yeah you, you, you know you know who my target for all of this is if they i don't know if they're going to want to make a move but if they're interested it's miles turner yeah that would be fascinating in, indiana yeah. has the capacity to take on some money they would potentially be interested in some picks and there it's a possibility and miles turner would be a different kind of fit but i think a really good one with luca the idea that he can be he can space the floor as a low usage big but he also is a capable roller i think they would get more out of turner offensively than anybody else has but he's also a fantastic defensive player and so you have if you have turner dfs and bullock it's not perfect against everybody. You still have the same flaws we were talking about earlier, but you're cleaning up a lot of the other stuff. And he's a, a great rim protector. And theoretically, you could potentially do that trade without giving up Kleba. And so then if there are times that Turner is hurt, which has happened before, or that you want to be a little bit more mobile, then you still got Moxie Kleba, at least for one more year. And, yeah, another- and also being able to play Kleba and Turner together in sure. some lineups might be nice. Yeah, absolutely. As well. Yeah, Clint Capella could be another possible target for them. It's just a question of which way do you want to lean into you want to you sure you want to get a center yeah as as you think about it maybe it does need to be that because you're always going to have luca luca is always going to be your four man essentially on defense he's not going to give you 
you a lot of room protection even if he does get a little bit better because you need finney smith and block chasing guys around on the perimeter probably the top two opponent threats so that leaves luca guarding the other team's four man most of the time so maybe the only way you really can get good enough on defense is to get that great rim protector it's just you know how not being able to defend with versatility that's a concern do you really want to put money into the center position and or would you rather go for the jeremy grant type another possibility i thought of danny would be just trade tim hardaway jr for eric gordon and put in a first round pick maybe you could also put another salary into that and get back another semi-useful player from houston although i don't know if they even really have any at this point maybe just to to save some money i mean you could roll the dice on christian wood they'd have bird rights on him yeah it would actually has done some switching in his career at times (laughs) would anything get us back on the christian wood hype train faster than him being a center on the dallas mavericks i I think i'm off permanently um and he shows you can defend something else as a piece of context to consider for the mavericks and mark cuban has made comments about like basically we'd be in luxury tax hell for one year and the general Mm. substance of that is correct because the mavericks have a lot of money coming off most notably Dwight Powell's 11.1 and Maxi Kleba's nine. Then depending, I'm assuming they're going to keep Reggie Bullock at his partially guaranteed, you know, the full value that is 10.5. I would rather have him at 10.5 than not. But maybe they could find a home for Bertans. At that point, he'll have only one fully guaranteed season and a couple other things. So it's Dallas could, if they retain Brunson, it looks to me like they're going to be in that circumstance at that point where they're cheaper, but they don't really have the capacity to, to significantly prove. And so you that can draw the bird rights trap, can get become a real big problem with Moxie Kleba. Maybe you get into a circumstance where you end up keeping Dwight Powell, who we know they love, and maybe you give him more than you probably should. But ideally, if you could do it for a short-term thing. But so Dallas, improving from where they are. Like, maintaining is pretty easy as long as Jalen Brunson would rather be in Dallas than one of these other places for the same money that he doesn't pull a Jeremy Grant. And I don't know Jalen Brunson's heart well enough to know whether that is a correct... I I think even here he has as much of a offensive role as he could want frankly and and if he's going to detroit then he's playing alongside kate cunningham and i don't think kate is going to be as heliocentric as luca but he's he's in that ballpark and the knicks that's just a complete an entirely different situation maybe he's interested in that maybe he's not but i i think dallas is a pretty good spot to be and the other lesson for jalen brunson as we've learned throughout the league whether you were a star or a more modest player is you can get your money and be somewhere else later on if you really really want that and you're not most players aren't really trapped in a situation that long anymore so if i were advising jalen brunson assuming the mavs offer was competitive i would i would urge him to take it and i think their i think their offer is going to be competitive but so the idea for the mavs is that it will probably get cheaper but i don't think it's i think that's more mark cuban's money rather than a capacity to him to actually then okay we're getting 30 million off our books so now we get to spend that on another player and you wonder whether nico harrison is going to have the latitude from cuban and again ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the nba to instead of being in luxury tax hell for one year to sacrifice mark cuban's money to make their team better for that time and whether that's a good player that's making more money than the team wants or trade you know just a you know team doesn't want player x and is willing to sacrifice talent to get off it 
And Cuban was one of the biggest luxury tax payers back into the old system, but they've been a cap room team basically since the 2011 CBA. And so I think he's willing to spend. And it's just, you know, is he a 15 million into the tax guy or is he a like serious tax payment guy? Because as mentioned, they're looking down the barrel. If Jalen Brunson starts at 22 million, they're looking down the barrel of a, a pretty darn big, you know, kind of more of a Warriors, Nets, clippers type of tax amount here and and that's just to bring back this the guys who are under contract other than brunson you know again you mentioned it's not they need to get better i i think for sure like they're they beat the suns they played great against them i think this warriors team honestly is not like that good and they were pretty outclassed by them in the end particularly on the defensive end so seth made this point and i think he made it about the hawks last year too you don't start next season as the team that got to the western conference finals and try to get better from there you start next season at zero just like everyone else which happens for these surprise teams it's not an automatic ride and i think that this team is much better and their success is much more sustainable than last season's hawks team and to be but, sure and another one like that would be the portland trailblazers that made that made the conference yeah, the finals 19 blazers sure the 19 blazers and i think the mavs are have a better foundation than that team too no yeah i mean that team didn't beat a 64 win team no in the ex- exactly round, right but there were going to be a couple other strong teams in the West that weren't really present this year. And Dallas's goal, while you have arguably, you know, the guy who we ranked as the, like in a tier by himself as the best player under 25 best like best prospect in the league under 23 23 sorry okay, 23 and under we should say 23 yeah. and under is you want to make the most of that window and there are a, a lot of different elements in play there but you have Luka Doncic and you have you don't know how long you know he's under contract for a while but you don't know how long the peak when the peak of his powers is going to be and everything else and so it's it's a lot for this front office to consider to take in and they don't really have much margin for error here. Like if you make another bet and that doesn't pan out and like you could argue this with Tim Hardaway Jr. Like and and I've been wrong on a lot of these before of like, for example, you brought up the D'Angelo Russell trade. And part of the reason why I didn't like that from the Warriors perspective was I thought other teams were going to see that he turned into a pumpkin fast enough that they wouldn't be able to trade him. It ended up being that Gerson Rosas didn't and they moved him quickly enough and got Andrew Wiggins and, and Andrew Wiggins has worked out very well. Tim Hardaway Jr. partially due to the injury, which just sucks for him and for for the Mavericks. Yeah. That and also his poor play before as well. Yes, but but the 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 injury is in many ways more relevant because that will scare off some of the teams that might not have cared about the poor play. And so, but if they you know if they make another bet that doesn't work out, whether that's due to misevaluation or a cruel twist of fate, it gets a lot harder. And they're they're in a good place. They're in a better place than I anticipated. The Reggie Bullock edition worked out well. And what I would say is. I brought up the the Blazers and I said that, you know, I, and this team has a better foundation and Luca is at a different point in his career than Dame. But some of the concerns with that team of like, how do you get better and what resources are you going to bring to bear? And like, the the kind of the, the timeline of the timetable of contention it's not as clear-cut positive for dallas as it would be in other cases in part because they just don't have young talent 
yeah and certainly there are guys dinwiddie brunson finney smith uh, lucas is still doing better like we think more of these players than we did back when every single spotify live had a question of what the hell do the mavs do but there's a reason that that question was still asked i do think they still need a talent upgrade to get to an nba championship also worth noting before we finish up on them they do have a 10.9 million dollar trade exception from the josh richardson trade however that expires on june 27th and so they really would have to make a move at the draft that would be legal to do at the draft you couldn't agree at the draft and then consummate it after the new league year and now what they they could certainly bring a guy in to that trade exception and then make another move later yeah and so that would have to be a player like not on an expiring contract and a few other constraints yeah or even roll that trade exception over if they just take in a 10 million dollar player and send out a 10 million dollar player you could then just basically extend that trade exception into next year but that could be useful certainly in making some deals and in any deal that they make maybe they could preserve some of that into a new exception that could work throughout the season for them if they wanted to make more moves but in general i don't see them just taking on 10 million extra dollars that doesn't seem particularly likely to me at this point in time given where their tax situation already is let's get some news oh we should also mention too for the Mavs uh Frank Nilakina, two million dollars non-guaranteed for next year guarantee date July 4th guessing they probably just keep him uh, I'd keep uh, him he, and if he could just make a few more shots which he did he made a couple in this Warriors game but he still wasn't getting guarded he could be a valuable defensive Ho- player Ho- he was useful in that Sun series hopefully they can get a viable even ideally a viable 16 game rotation player from one of nokina sterling brown and josh green next year yeah that would be nice and it starts with those guys being able to reliably hit shots reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil So we're starting to get some rumblings here, Danny. Could just be smoke. Could just be posturing for guys who want to get paid in their current environs. We're going to be free agents. But Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News covers the Nets. I talked about this a lot with Hollinger today, but I wanted to at least bring it up with you. He had an article with a couple interesting things. Number one, he said, a source familiar with the inner workings of the Nets roster last summer told me that James Harden would leave Brooklyn, followed by Kyrie Irving, and then ultimately Kevin Durant. According to multiple sources, Durant and the Nets fraud office have not spoken since they were swept out of the first round. And perhaps most importantly, the Nets are hesitant, according to a source familiar with the Nets thought process. Process, and in fact outright unwilling to give Kyrie Irving a long-term deal oh boy the Nets functional problem here if they you know if there is a conscious uncoupling from Kyrie Irving is how do they do that in any way shape or form that makes them a still viable team yeah. moving and, forward? And, and why if they don't have Kyrie Irving or a talent who is commensurate with him on the roster Kevin Durant has no reason to stay there no reason whatsoever and Kyrie challenging person flawed player at times 
still incredibly talented. And they got into the Kyrie Irving business a few years ago. Kyrie Irving, who has left other successful situations. And that was for whether that's Cleveland or Boston. And more power to him if that's what he wants to do. But the other complicator here is something that we talked about a lot in when we were doing kind of like fake negotiations with DeAndre Eaton signed in trades, which is why would another team, let's say there's a team that is interested in Kyrie Irving. Why would they give up significant assets to pay him market value? And what in the world is market value for Kyrie Irving? We would have to see. One thing that was floated by Jake Fisher was that maybe he could just sign with one of these other teams that have space with the idea that they would just eventually trade him and that's how he could get his money or something. Sure. But he's a good citizen. That that seems too attenuated to me. it, it, It does seem attenuated. That seems like generating leverage where very little exists. And but so like, let's say a team was interested in, I don't know, like Orlando, let's say the Orlando Magic were interested in Kyrie Irving. What are they going to give Brooklyn? I mean, they could even do something with cap space. But like from Brooklyn's perspective, it's you run into the same problem that like incidentally that the Warriors tried to do. And they actually resolved better than we anticipated with Kevin Durant, which is you can't let the guy go for nothing because you have to the salary slot and talent and everything else. But it's not like Orlando is going to give up a ton of resources to pay Kyrie Irving. And so you, you might get something back, but you're not going to do anything else. So it's, it's a really, really messed up situation. I want to, I I saw this originally on NBA Reddit, but I just want to, the first part of it, but I want to, I thought, I thought you'd enjoy this theoretically. And I don't think it would happen this quickly. What team has the most resources theoretically to send to Brooklyn in a Kevin Durant trade? Oh my God. Memphis Grizzlies, Golden State Warriors, the Oklahoma city thunder. (laughs) And the, the second most you could argue is the Golden State Warriors. So, well, he, uh, we uh, as a place he would actually like to go. <laughs> fuck, maybe he would rather just go back to OKC. I don't think so. I think he's like too urbane at this point for OKC. I, I mean, the question of if Kevin Durant wants out, what circumstance, like what the terms of that would be, are mind-boggling, and I, I don't know that I'm mentally capable of, of processing that just yet. I also don't think it would happen that quickly. But if Kyrie Irving signs somewhere else, maybe it does. And 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 hoof does that does that get into some some wild stuff and then i mean so you have that circumstance and then i thought where you're going with the like you hear the murmurs and inklings is like how do we want to address the the murmurs coming out of things with zach levine and zach levine in many ways this parallels the previous collective bargaining agreement where because and i'm still so frustrated by this the cba is still massively screwed up for high level players that don't make all nba teams he's hitting unrestricted free agency for the first time and the Chicago Bulls are definitely interested in retaining him it seems like Zach Levine is going to give them a fair shot but he's getting interest from other teams it seems like he's interested and so the question becomes as we speculated for all those years when these guys who were you know like Kevin Durant and all these others were hitting unrestricted free agency on their third contracts is this genuine interest is this wanting something else or is this just I'm I get to be wooed for the first time since I was a college recruit and I'm going to enjoy it so I, I think there's 
a number of things going on here and it's difficult to parse out what it is necessarily it seemed like when things were going well there he was widely assumed to be returning to the bulls however he underwent this surgery which is a quote-unquote cleanup uh casey johnson reported that or i'm sorry actually this is jake fisher levine told confidence his knee at times feels like it has loose cartilage an mri taken in january showed no structural damage i mean okay does he still have no structural damage after playing on it for three and a half months after that and so perhaps related to that this knee issue where he just had surgery we didn't of course get any kind of a real reporting on what it was casey johnson says there's speculation from rival executives whether or not the bulls will extend levine the full maximum contract and that would be since he didn't make all nba still a rather healthy five-year 212.3 million dollar deal which perhaps and maybe they could do it with an exclusion on his knee or maybe they could try to get a non-guarantee in the last year levine is quite young still he's 27 as an unrestricted free agent with eight years of experience and assuming this knee thing is okay it's different offering a 27 year old that contract versus a 29 year old also though zach levine is maybe a top 30 player in the nba maybe top 25 maybe a better way to say that is the 25th 30th best player in the nba something like that when you consider his defense and maybe there's the potential to get better i think he's played at a slightly higher level than that at times when he's been healthy the last two years but there's a lot of good scoring guards in this league and so maybe this is all coming from the bulls are not going to use their advantage in years and annual races and once you get to that a four-year deal becomes a little more palatable and and maybe there are some other teams that are clearly interested in him at that price he's been linked to the spurs now the blazers the lakers although i don't really know how that would happen the mavs the hawks so how much of this is posturing but it is worth noting there are not many guys who have done the full wine and dine thing and return like carmelo anthony in 2014 probably wishes he hadn't frankly and a few others come to mind but generally when these things get done they're just done without this oh i'm gonna fly to the city and do the meeting or we're gonna have a parade of teams going in and out it sounds like that's what they are planning on doing as of this point speaking of wind and dined the biggest shift that has happened off the court since the last time we did news is involving front office and that is tim Connolly leaving the confines of the denver nuggets to go to the minnesota timberwolves and this had been you know the the discussions between those between Connolly and the wolves have we we brought up before but he actually signed it and compensation is of course a significant part of this the reporting on this is that it looks like Connolly is going to make about twice as much as as he was with denver and there's this potential for an ownership stake which is fascinating and i want to i don't think we're we you know this isn't going to be a circumstance where we probably get to see the actual contract but this is a significant move for the minnesota timberwolves who brought in somebody over sachin gupta who i mean well regarded within the league it sounds like they're going to work together though that is far from assured as far as i can tell and so this is like ownership being serious, ownership being the biggest competitive advantage. And we've talked a little bit previously about like where does Tim Connolly fit within the like general manager rankings. But from Minnesota's perspective, just being in the room, getting getting somebody and having the difference be the money that you offer is a huge step for the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just beefing up their scouting a little bit more or as they try to build around Anthony Edwards as they decide whether they're going to extend Carl Anthony Towns 
Towns now, who did make All NBA, so is now uh, eligible for the Supermax. We'll have to talk a little bit more about the All NBA consequences in a second. I talked about this very extensively with John. He had some original reporting that the reason why Denver wasn't able to get compensation was that Conley actually had it in his contract that if he wanted to leave, that Denver couldn't ask for compensation, which presumably was the result of Denver just preferring to leave that in there rather than just pay him more and have an actual normal executive contract that would require compensation for a lateral move, which this would be for president of basketball operations to the great, same title. Great negotiations by one Tim Connolly. Yeah, it bodes well for how well he's going to do for... He, he actually uh, did a much better job of negotiating his own contract with Denver, Denver ownership than he did a, a few of these extensions. Uh, but overall, Connolly, of course, ha, has done a good job. And well, I don't know if he would be in my personal top five GMs, which is what Minnesota was talking about seeking. I think he was the best established executive that they could get given this contract situation with Denver and has objectively as good an argument as a lot of guys would for top fives. Like I think uh, outside of that top tier of maybe three or four executives, I think he's firmly within that next tier by any objective standard. So obviously Denver cheaped out. Minnesota has the commitment here. Mark Laurie is very into getting the best people that he can and paying top dollar for executive talent. He's done so here. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on that and John's, which are probably even more useful, I recommend listening to that. So this doesn't necessarily affect Denver right now. Their team is kind of built at the moment, but it's just another example of that organization, which doesn't have a practice facility and was very, very late to getting a G League team and has always operated with a skeleton staff. It's another instance of them cheaping out. And perhaps that's because it's zero sum and they know they have to pay the luxury tax next year or maybe they'll find a way out of the old tax or or, or reduce their bill i mean we've seen the Cronkies take basically every step possible to pay as little as they can and so they're promote it seems like they're promoting from within with calvin booth and we'll, again we have to see on terms of which nuggets personnel joins Connolly and who else there's been some speculation on that i'll wait until we actually see before we have a ruling on that and then yeah i mean how much are they actually willing to spend and for how long because yeah, now mike singer did report that Nikola Jokic's desire to sign the Supermax extension that he will no doubt be offered is undiminished by this but I I would certainly be looking for at least some commitments here that they are going to spend significantly uh, after this latest cheaping out but you know when you own Walmart it, it's tough to really you know maybe, maybe they could increase prices on paper towels for to you know 173 a roll instead of 172 or something that I, I don't know the Lakers there's been a lot of reporting and I don't think that this organization is smart enough to just be posturing with this these leaks that the Lakers don't want to include a first to trade Russell Westbrook and Jovan Bua wrote an impassioned plea which if I covered the team and didn't want to have to watch this terrible basketball I would probably be pretty impassioned about it too but I think what's lost in this whole idea of trading Russ I mean number one you know he's probably overpaid by 25 million minimum based on his production next year so just normally it's been about 20 million dollars in dead salary equals one first round pick maybe that's up to like 25 now with inflation but still and then you also have to throw in it's not only just getting rid of russell westbrook it's actually getting back players who can play for him as well and that that takes value so to me if you could trade russell westbrook
Westbrook for, I don't know, three pretty good rotation guys to put around LeBron and AD. Ha ha ha. But uh, players of that caliber, I mean, in terms of just the other team's perspective, yeah, it's going to take a first round pick to do that. Maybe if you unprotect that 2027 pick, I might be interested just because it's unprotected or extremely lightly protected. It's not just some late first round pick. And so that's why it's worth it to me. But yeah, like, I mean, maybe it's just the cost to move him is going to be so prohibitive that they just want to get high on their own supply and make the exact same mistake they made last year and say, oh, well, it's it's Frank Vogel's fault and a new coach is really going to find a way to use Russell Westbrook. Uh, No, he's actually just not good. Not only is he a bad fit, but he's just not good. Like, that's the bigger problem. Like, if he were still a good version of Russell Westbrook, like, they could have made it work last year. He's just not good anymore, though. So uh, I think that's the biggest reason they need to move on from even more so than, oh, does he have the ball? Does he not have the ball? Where is he standing, et cetera? Yep, I I echo all that. Uh, From Jake Fisher's piece, the current expectation is that both Bradley Beal and Donovan Mitchell will stay in their respective teams this summer, and the Hawks could potentially make a strong offer. There's Jake talks about this idea that Atlanta could be looking for a shakeup, and they have things that they can offer. And again, as it often is, as is often the case, it's just who is who is going to shake loose. And another player who could potentially potentially shake loose. We've talked about when we did the Suns offseason preview. You know, DeAndre Aiden. Yeah, there's still plenty of stuff out there with this idea that Aiden will have max offers and that the Suns may not match those. Fisher said three teams are most often linked by the, league personnel. Though you know who would most want it out there that the Suns might not match a max offer sheet? Yeah, DeAndre Aiden. Yeah, right. Bill Duffy is his agent, right? I believe so. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, he had a nice little 2018 draft, Bill Duffy. So, Atlanta, Detroit, and Portland as the most often cited potential suitors detroit and portland do have the ammo probably to get to a max offer or pretty darn close to it if they wanted to ultimately what it boils down to to me though is just phoenix just can't lose them for nothing they just can't they have to match to me and yeah you know what he might have disappointed this year but what other path do you have especially as chris paul ages than to hope that deandre ayton can become a real offensive star and he has improved quite a bit over his career and obviously that Mikhail Bridges get a little better on offense and that Devin Booker can really become a top 10 player that's your path to continued relevance as Chris Paul slows down so I, to me as much as I'm probably lower on DeAndre Ayton than a lot of people but to me if the Suns didn't match an offer sheet it would be a grave mistake even if he is overpaid because they're just never going to get that type of talent in the door anymore and like we brought up with the Mavs earlier losing DeAndre Ayton does not open the door for somebody else it's not like you get another 30 million dollars this year or next to just trade for somebody or sign somebody nope that's not the way this works it's the nba has a soft cap and it's makes it so that you get in these circumstances to me even if you don't want deandre Ayton on the team long term unless the team makes a strong offer in the immediate retain him matching or through a new contract and then it's more plausible to find something down the line should it not work out and you also get a lot more information and speaking of more information with the all nba teams coming out Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns made all NBA teams and that makes them eligible for supermax extensions. And for those guys, that would put them into the 35% threshold. But interestingly, both Booker and 
Towns have two more remaining years, 22-23 and 23-24, on their current contracts. So what this would do is it would add four new years starting in 24. And that, you know, roughly, it depends on where the cap is at that point, four years, $211 million in new money. We've discussed when we did the Suns breakdown that we think Phoenix should offer that and Devin Booker should accept it. Carl, Carl Anthony Towns, that's a ton of money. If Minnesota offers it, I, I it would be awfully, awfully hard to turn down, even if their path to being a championship team is, is pretty faint and you could always make your way out another way. As Minnesota, do you offer that? Now, keep in mind, they don't have to offer the full amount although we haven't really seen that happen yet they could it can be it could start as little as 30 percent of the salary cap it could decline potentially there could be non-guarantees etc it's be a tough decision for tim Connolly. i mean given Connolly's history in terms of rewarding players and retaining players you have to imagine that that offer will just be made and to keep carl anthony towns and again you would think to for the next couple of years at least he'll be playing at a level commensurate with his salary so he would at least be tradable and people kind of just forget about those next few years of the contract if he's playing at a level that's worth his salary that year so i think ultimately i would try to negotiate some on that it, that's just not generally the way things work and you know i would have still had carl anthony towns below rudy gobert but still close as my all nba third team center he's a, a very good player also though you could see a few of his flaws in the playoffs with the fouls and also just he's not he doesn't dominate the ball the same way that Embiid and Jokic do even if he has more gravity on the outside due to his shooting other all-nba news trey young makes all-nba third team along with chris paul in the backcourt and with that trey young is going to make the hawks finances a, a little bit more difficult he now qualifies for an extra six million dollars on his extension all he had to get was third team and it, it rises to 30 percent of the cap and he's worth that but that takes away six million dollars in extra spending capacity for the hawks over these next few years in fact i will update my sheet right now to reflect that there we go so that makes the, the hawks finances a little more interesting we'll talk about that in a future episode anything else you wanted to hit on for all nba no i think that's i think that's all we need to do well, um De devin booker making first team all nba would not have been something that i I would i think i had god who did i even have and eh, it's probably not relevant at this point yeah so i mean you could go back and listen to our words anything that was different than what we had we disagree with <laughs> Yes, thank you. That, that's good. So Pascal Siaka made All-NBA third team, Pascal NBA, and DeRozan did make it at forward on second team. KD, despite the not playing that many games, made it as well. Steph and Ja on second team guards, Luka and Booker. First team guards, uh, Giannis and Tatum, first team forwards, and of course, Jokic at center. And I think that's it. Nope, Except for one more thing that we need to discuss, and that is a congratulations to our yearly podcast guest, Mike Schmitz of First Draft. Express, then ESPN, it's hired by the Portland Trailblazers as assistant GM. And we normally wouldn't talk about assistant GM, but since I know Mike well and he's been a, a friend of the program, I just want to congratulate him on his hard work. And I think he'll be a great asset to the Blazers organization. Obviously, knows a lot of these young players with some of the interviews that he does, and of course, the, his scouting and pounding the pavement. He knows as much about all the players at the grassroots levels as much as you 
you possibly can but also i think he has a great understanding of modern basketball and what wins in modern basketball which i think a lot of scouts both in the media and for teams don't really have and so both the ability to evaluate players and what are they now and how can they develop and then to also say hey how valuable are these skills that we believe are going to develop in the current league ecosystem i I think that's a great combination of skill sets and and, uh we're gonna miss him on this show i'll i'll try to get him he's still gonna work at espn through the draft i'm guessing he probably isn't gonna be able to come on since he's gonna be a little busy but i i I will invite him nonetheless but regardless whether he can come on or not uh, congratulations richly deserved there oh for sure and i mean i have an immense amount of respect for for mike and the way that he has his career his career arc is so first of all it is affirming of his of his skills and work ethic and emotional intelligence i think that's something that shines through in the interviews that he does with players um and but to go from you know being a video coordinator for the bakersfield jam to the excellent work that he did on draft express to them getting picked up by espn it is thrilling to see somebody make those steps and i don't think this is the end of those steps i think this is another one on the road and and schmitz is like there are always these like kind of exceptions like exceptions that prove the rule where it's like he has the tools to do the next thing really really well i don't think this is a peter principle situation in the slightest and i'm excited to see that i am from a selfish perspective deeply disappointed to lose just as i was to lose those draft express videos he shifted into something else that was really cool when once they got to espn but losing all of that in the in the public domain is going to make our lives harder but it's going to be i'm assuming it is a great decision for him because he's choosing to make it and i'm also very encouraged for the portland trailblazers and joe cronin gets to add to add this kind of talent and it's it's thrilling to see people that people that you know and that you've known for years that er, have earned this to get the opportunity because we know how few jobs there are and how f- and and I so I'm I could not be more happy for Mike Schmitz for this. All right, well that will do it for today. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening on the free pod, I encourage you to give Dunked on Prime a try. I also encourage you to watch with Danny and me on Playback. There's a link to that in the show notes as well you just sign in with your cable provider it's all in the window if you're an international league pass person it works there as well you don't have to sync up anymore you can just watch the game get the crowd noise in the background adjust the volume between our commentary and the background noise it's a great product i hope you'll join us there we'll do of course game six of celtics heat and then all of the road games in the finals that are not of course in san francisco and then finally too if you've been thinking about doing dunked on prime but you're not in a great economic situation at the top of my pin tweets at nate duncan nba we do offer a product for dunked on prime for those who who are not in a great financial position right now you can find out more details about that in the letter that is my pin tweet right now so i hope you will check out one of our products as we get into our favorite times of year the nba finals going into the draft and then free agency we'll talk to you all soon at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.